Before we begin today's story, here's a word from a fellow podcaster. Have you ever wondered why we call French fries French fries? Or why something is the greatest thing since sliced bread? There are answers to those questions. Everything Everywhere Daily is a podcast for curious people who want to learn more about the world around them. Every day, you'll learn something new about things you never knew you didn't know. Subjects include history, science, geography, mathematics, and culture. If you're a curious person and want to learn more about the world you live in, just subscribe to Everything Everywhere Daily wherever you cast your pod. My name is Talia Smith, and you're listening to Season 3 of Once Upon a Time, a storytelling podcast. There are stories all around. We tell stories every day. We consume books and movies, travel the digital landscape, and we talk to people. How could we connect without stories? I think it's impossible. This season, we explore all of what home can mean through sharing stories with a strong sense of place, love, family, or tradition. Join us for Once Upon a Time, a storytelling podcast, season three. This episode was recorded in Maryland and reminds us that there's no place like home. And now, on with our season premiere. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. I am super excited about this episode because I am doing this episode with the friend that I have known the longest. I have known this guest my entire life, and I'm so excited to be talking with her today, and I'm so excited for you to meet her. So let's introduce Hannah Davis. Hello. Hannah is a recent college graduate who is still trying to figure out how to be an adult. She grew up watching The Wizard of Oz and proclaims it to be her favorite movie. She loves coffee, dogs, and singing some songs. Everybody say hello to Hannah. Hello, everybody. I'm so excited. (laughs) How are you today? I am doing well, doing well. How about you? I am living the dream. I'm so excited to talk about the story today. What is the story we're going to be telling? So the story today that we're going to be telling is a classic, and it is The Wizard of Oz. Ooh. The movie is my favorite movie and has been since I was a small child. (laughs) So can you give me some fun facts about The Wizard of Oz? Absolutely. So the book was written in 1900. And then when the movie came out, Shirley Temple was posed to play Dorothy, but she lost the role to newcomer Judy Garland. And whenever I think about the fact that Shirley Temple was supposed to play Dorothy originally, I just think about what a different movie it would have been. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then the theme of my fourth birthday and ultimately probably the rest of my young life um, was The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) And I definitely remember that birthday party. And (laughs) hey, maybe we'll even (laughs) share some great pics on our social media. Oh, about, goodness. Um, there's so many this. quality pictures <laughs> there are we were very cute we were very cute 
We were. <laughs> so let's introduce the story. I know a lot of people probably know the story of The Wizard of Oz, but let's introduce it. Give us the elevator pitch for this tale. Sure. So this is one of the most iconic American stories. Um, the Library of Congress declared it America's greatest and best loved homegrown fairy tale, <laughs> which I love. I think that that really encompasses it. Um, so the story follows a little girl named Dorothy and her journey through Oz. And when L. Frank Baum wrote the original book, they were based off of the bedtime stories that he would tell his children, which I think is really cool. And today his characters inspire children and adults alike to use their imagination and to appreciate the story, uh, the, the people who make them feel at home. We're going to focus more on the movie today than the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because... Hannah and I have a really strong connection to the movie and we can talk about it more fully than we do with the book. So we'll talk about the book a little bit, but this is really going to be focused on the story that the movie tells and why the movie has really transcended the generations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for you, Hannah, why is the story relevant now? Like, why do you think we're still talking about it in 2021. (laughs) Well, I think just the fact that it is one, a classic film means that the story holds up because people continue to watch it. So, you know, I don't think the story would be as well known if the film didn't um, do as well. And I think that it's very much a, a comfort to people. And I know it is to me. I mean, when I, when I moved into uh, my apartment, the first piece of decor that I put up was a, a frame that has a quote from uh, the book and the movie. It's, it's on my wall, sitting right above my bed. And it says, you've always had the power, my dear, you just had to learn it for yourself. And I love that quote, because it's, you know, it's so it's an empowering quote. Um, and so I think that it, you know, the whole story really just, uh, people really relate to it. And it's a comfort. I mean, there's no place place like home really is something that people say to themselves all the time. So um, I really think that it stood the test of time because it's continued to be something that people find comfort in. I love that. And I, I definitely agree. I think especially right now, the story is just a beautiful piece of escapism. And even though like my reference is the 39 film, like throughout the movie, it's so easy to get caught up in the majesty and mystery of a fantastic and a a different world. But at the end of the day, the magical world is in home. And I think, I think for so many of us, we're escaping our realities, so to speak. And we need to remember to ground ourselves because, um, I don't know, maybe it's a coping mechanism, but it's it's both beautiful and fantastic. And then um, a strong reminder to ground yourself in the world that we're in. Right. Absolutely. I, I guess without further ado, let's tell the story of The Wizard of Oz. All right. And can you start us off with my favorite phrase, once upon a time? <laughs> So once upon a time, we meet Dorothy and her family on the farm that they that they live. And Dorothy dreams of going somewhere over the rainbow, which is when we then get to see, uh, you know, that song being performed, which is still a classic. Um, 
we meet Miss Gulch, who doesn't like uh, Dorothy's dog, Toto. And she takes him away to be put down after he bites her. Um, He escapes and he goes back to Dorothy and she runs away with him so that nobody can take him back. She meets a fortune teller who tells her to uh, return home because her aunt is very sick. Um, which isn't true. (laughs) And she gets caught in a tornado and boom, she's transported to the land of Oz. Awesome. So when we meet Dorothy, we're in Kansas, Mm -hmm. which I always thought was interesting because honestly, and I, I hope this doesn't sound ignorant. The only thing I know about Kansas is the wizard of Oz. And so I always, I always thought it was kind of interesting. You know, we're we're starting the story literally in the middle of the country mm-hmm. where it's only land. And we're introduced to this little girl in sepia tones. And we learn straight away that Dorothy doesn't live with her parents. She lives with her aunts and uncle. Mm-hmm. And that Dorothy doesn't have any friends. She has her dog, Toto. And she has... The three people who work on her and uncle's farm. Yes. When we meet Miss Gulch, who does the woman who doesn't like Dorothy's dog, Toto, and we see how Miss Gulch treats Toto, I think that really sets into motion maybe how Dorothy feels like she's being treated. Mm-hmm. Thoughts about that? <laughs> no, I agree with you. And you kind of have to like put yourself in Dorothy's shoes a little bit and realize, you know, truly like Toto is her, is her, her, her one friend. If you don't count the three people that work on the farm. So when that is being taken away from her, you know, the fear that she must feel it's completely understandable that as soon as he comes back, she grabs him and she runs away because she can't bear the thought of, losing uh you know the one friend the one I don't really want to say person because he's a dog but the one person that's always there for her so I really you know it's it's completely understandable why she why she runs away and and I and I agree with you that I think that when she sees how Miss Gulch is treating Toto she kind of thinks that that's the same way she's being treated because you do see her when we are introduced to you know her and her family you see her going around to all of her, you know, to her aunt, to her uncle, and to the people that work on the farm saying, you'll never believe what, what Miss Gulch said about Toto, what she did to him. And they and they all kind of brush her aside and they say, we're working, we're working, you know, you need to go. Basically stop being annoying is what they were telling her. <laughs> um, so I think that she kind of is seeing, seeing that uh, same treatment in Toto of um, the, you know, the way Miss Gulch is treating him. Yeah. And when you when we get to the song Somewhere Over the Rainbow, I mean it's first of all, it's such a beautiful song. Yes, it Second is. Second of all, fun fact about the song that I'm sure our big uh, Judy Carlin fans know. But for, the, for those who aren't Judy Garland fangirls, this song was actually originally they're gonna cut it from the movie which is, that's a crime. (laughs) Could you imagine The Wizard of Oz without Somewhere Over the Rainbow? It wouldn't be the same movie. It it really wouldn't. That, I I think, yeah, no, it wouldn't be the same movie at all. There's something about the yearning and the innocence of that song and just the, the dream of that song that's so beautiful and so beautifully encapsulates what it's like to be a lonely tweenager. 
and just <laughs> wanting adventure and not being settled. Yes. Oh my gosh. And think about the amount of like young kids that can relate to the feeling of like, I just want to get out of here. You know, I don't want to be here anymore. I mean, how many kids, you know, when you're, you know, 14, 15, 16 are just tired of your hometown, tired of, of, of where you live and you want adventure, you want to get out, you want to see the world. Like, I think that's super relatable, you know, and it's comforting to know that even back then that was something that kids were feeling. (laughs) Yeah. It's like definitely one of those universal things that transcends time itching for adventure. So as you said, she runs away and she meets a fortune teller. Mm -hmm. And after the fortune teller, as you said before, like tells her to go home, you're crazy, like go home. Mm -hmm. Um, She gets caught up in a tornado. Can you tell us a little bit about the tornado as we see it in the movie? So as we see it in the movie, now I've never witnessed a real tornado, so I don't really know if how accurate this is, but in the movie we see her, you know, she, she's fighting against the wind as she, as she's trying to make her way back home. And we know that her family is looking for her. Her aunt is, is wondering where she is. And, and basically her uncle grabs her aunt and says, no, we got to get into the, into the cellar or the storm cellar, you know, wherever it is that they go during a tornado. And Dorothy tries to get in to, when she finally makes it back to the, uh, the house. She tries to get in and it's locked so she can't get into the storm cellar. And then she goes into the house, which there was a part of me that, you know, as I got older and I learned more about tornadoes, I was like, I mean, I guess that is the safest place for her to be given the circumstances. But isn't there a house? Isn't there a room with no windows in her house? There has to be, <laughs> I know. you know, like she I'm like, yeah. I feel like twisters, tornadoes, they're pretty common occurrences out in Kansas. And she she goes on goes on her bed and is right by the window. And I'm like, at least get under the bed. Come on. Like, this is, <laughs> this is not the first time you've witnessed a tornado. I am certain. Um, yeah. But I remember being terrified of it when I was younger and thought, you know, and was like, oh, my God, she's like just walking down the street and can see the tornado in the distance. And again, I've never witnessed a real tornado. So I don't know if that's what it's like, if you can just see it in the distance like that. Um, I have no idea. Yeah. So when she she gets into the house, she goes onto her, you know, she gets goes into her room. I I think she sits on her bed and it's, yeah, I just, yeah, I never, I I didn't really understand why she didn't go into a different room or get under something because I feel like that's what what we're taught to do in a tornado. And she kind of just, sat right by the window. <laughs> yeah, um, and 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 through that window, you can see the transition from Kansas to Oz because yes. you start to see all of, you know, the farm equipment that's going past the window. But then you see Miss Gulch riding her bicycle. Yes. But then Miss Gulch transforms into the witch. Into the wicked witch. Oh my goodness. Yes. It's it's very much foreshadowing a little bit of what's about what what is to come um, in the movie and for Dorothy and then we see the um, you know the house falling and we hear you know kind of the 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 crash of it landing on the ground and and then, and then she wakes up and and she is in the land of Oz. Tell me a little bit about. The land of Oz. How does it look cinematically? What does she see when she gets there? 
What is Oz? Cinematically, now the movie's in color. <laughs> um, which really, I think, adds to the magic of it. Because I think you get, you know, when it's in the sepia tone, you kind of get used to that. You know, it's enough of, it's enough time at the beginning of the movie for you to get used to that that way. So then when it comes back in color, it really is very magical. And, you know, she walks out of the house. And she's kind of walking around and she can hear the little whispers and um, of the munchkins. And we come to find out that she's landed in munchkin land. And it's funny because, you know, everything is smaller, <laughs> um, <laughs> but everything is beautiful. And you see, you know, just the colors are so vibrant and, you know, yeah. you really see that she is. And she, I, I can't remember the exact line, but I think she says something to Toto about, we've gone over the rainbow. We must, we must have gone over the rainbow, um, which is a little callback to <laughs> her initial, uh, over the rainbow. yes, <laughs> to her initial, you know, dream of, I want to go somewhere over there. There's somewhere better. There's somewhere better for me to be. And she thinks she's, she thinks she's landed there. So I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. When I, when I was little, I thought that The Wizard of Oz was the first movie to be produced in color just because you went from sepia to color. Did you think that too? I did. I did. And it was only recently that I found out that that wasn't true. Color movies have existed since 1917. <laughs> um, and even though there weren't a lot of movies made with Technicolor in the time, it certainly was not the first. And Disney actually use Technicolor in his cartoons. So fun fact. Yeah. So I know I I'm, I'm with you. I grew up thinking that it was the first movie in color and was a little disappointed when I found out that wasn't true, but (laughs) how cool cinematically would that have been just in history? If that's how we were introduced to color film anyway. So we meet Glinda the good witch. She arrived in a bubble, which I wish I could travel by bubble. Like that would be amazing. <laughs> Especially right now. <laughs> yes. Could you imagine? Yes. That's what we all need. I need scientists to get on that. That's how we bring the world out of COVID. Everyone gets a Glinda bubble. Everyone gets a Glinda <laughs> bubble. And then we can just travel about in our own personal bubbles and see other people, but be in our own personal bubble. <laughs> I think we just came up with a genius idea. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Scientists of the world get on that one because I'm not scientific. I don't know how to make that happen, but there's people out there who can. (laughs) So speaking of Glinda, the good witch, now, whenever I think of her, I think of, you're going to laugh at me, the viral video that goes, her sister was a witch, right? And what was her sister? A princess, the wicked witch of the East, bro. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen that. What? (laughs) <laughs> what that does not sound familiar to me i'm sorry i'm ashamed <laughs> oh my gosh hannah okay i'm gonna send you when we finish recording this i'm gonna send that to you okay I sounds good think about this video too often more than i'm willing to admit <laughs> it's so freaking funny oh my gosh i can't okay. wait to, i can't wait to see that it's gonna it's change your life i kind of i kind of Still, I have a very hard time separating Glinda from Galinda in Wicked, but we can talk about that later. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you want to call her Galinda, if you want to pronounce her name correctly, 
for this podcast, I support that. (laughs) Well, but the whole point is that she does then change her name to Glinda. So I will, I will stick with Glinda, but, uh, Dorothy is, you know, talking to her, asking her questions. Dorothy basically is still saying, even though she feels like she's landed somewhere over the rainbow, she wants to go home. She needs someone to, to be able to send her home. And, and so Glinda gives her the ruby slippers, which she got off of the Wicked Witch of the East, which Dorothy <laughs> killed by <laughs> dropping her house on her. <laughs> murder via house. Yep. Murder via house. One of the worst ways to go, I think. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, so she gives her the ruby slippers and she tells her that she needs to find the wizard, the Wizard of Oz, in order to get home. Mm-hmm. And Dorothy, then also we end up meeting the Wicked Witch of the West, who looks suspiciously like Miss Gulch. <laughs> mm. And she's angry with Dorothy for dropping a house on her sister and for taking the ruby slippers. And honestly, fair enough. Yeah, totally valid in her anger. I'm I'm with her on that one. I'd be mad if someone dropped a house on my sister. <laughs> the older I get, the more justified the Wicked Witch is. Right? That's how you know we're getting old. <laughs> I know. You start sympathizing with the parents and the witches. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. I know. What does what happens when the Wicked Witch meets Dorothy? She tell well that one of the most famous lines happens. I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too. The way she says it too, the line delivery there is like, I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too. Yes. As a child, that sent chills down my spine. I was never really scared of the Wicked Witch of the West, but uh, I enjoyed being mildly um, uncomfortable. (laughs) You know what? I wasn't scared of the Wicked Witch either, but I was scared of everything growing up. You know this more than anybody (laughs) yes uh, yes i was scared of life and (laughs) i still am but the wicked witch never scared me no she really never scared me either um i knew a lot of people who were really scared by the wicked witch and i she didn't she really didn't scare me weird there were moments that scared me but she as a character and as a person did not scare me so after we meet the wicked witch and dorothy learns about her quest to the emerald yes. city yes we get my favorite song in the whole movie which is we are off to see the wizard the wonderful wizard of oz for here he is the wizard of Oz. whatever the wizard was whatever ever the wizard was the wizard of oz is one because 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 because, 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 because. because. <laughs> oh my goodness I love that song. I love the Follow the Yellow Brick Road song. Um, I, I enjoy them setting Dorothy off on her journey. Um, and so she does. She starts to, you know, she's following the Yellow Brick Road. And she's just, you know, she's told, hey, this leads to the Emerald City, which is where the wizard is. And the wizard can get you home. So she's like, awesome. I'm going to go find that wizard. <laughs> and she meets all of her friends on the way. Yes. We meet the Scarecrow, uh, the Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion, and they each have something that they also want to ask the wizard for. Scarecrow uh, wants a brain, and the Tin Man wants a heart, and the Lion wants some courage. And I, what I love um, and loved as a child was that they each, you know, they had their own song, and it was the same song, but it was different for them personally. It wasn't like they each had their own individual songs. They all sang about, you know, if I only had a brain, if I only had a heart, if I only had some courage, like 
I love that, that it was, it was very simple for a child to understand. (laughs) Yeah. And think about that too, how relatable that is, because you always think, I mean, I always think like, if only I had this one thing, if I had this one thing, imagine what I could accomplish. And this movie does such a beautiful job of saying that one thing isn't going to help you. It's who you are. That's going to help you. Yeah. I agree with you so much. And I think it's like, I think that's another reason why the movie really stands the test of time, because it's something that as a child, you can watch and just appreciate the music, the colors, the characters, like the magic of it. But as an adult, you grow with it and you really start to relate more to the themes once you are able and capable of understanding them more. And, you know, being able to say, yeah, everybody says to themselves, if I just had this one thing, if I just had this, I, you know, my life would be better. I would be okay. And then being able to watch the Wizard of Oz and say, oh, you know what, you know, it's, that's not necessarily true. So um, that's probably, that's, I think another reason why it really stands the test of time because it can relate to, children and adults alike (laughs) what i also really like about it is what they want is dorothy wants home Mm -hmm. Dorothy like security i I also take that as like a security a home Mm -hmm. um the scarecrow wants a brain the tin man wants a heart and the lion wants courage and those three things are not tangible things you can't buy those things it's not like i want money i want you know blah 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 yeah, I want, they're not materialistic I want, things. I think that's I beautiful. Love that. I yeah, because it because it's you know it's very much like this. You know, I think Dorothy. You know, she wants home and she wants security. That's that's one thing. But I think the scarecrow, the timid, and the lion. Those are all um, things that they're insecure about. You know, they're yeah. like the scarecrow's like I don't have a brain. I'm not smart. And the tin man is like I don't have a heart. I can't love. And the lion is, you know, is like, I, I'm a lion and I'm scared of everything. And so those are all three things that they're very insecure about with themselves. And so they, um, you know, they want to change that about themselves, which I think is something that a lot of people can relate to, you know, having insecurities and, and wanting to, wanting to change something about yourself. Yeah. Now that we have these incredibly relatable characters for what they actually are yeah. on, this, on this quest for a better life, going on this journey, they wind up getting themselves to the Emerald City. Yes, they do. After quite the journey that involves dodging the Wicked Witch and uh, falling asleep in a poppy field and lots of stuff like that. They get to the Emerald City and they're at the, the, the gate, which I always found a little strange that really the Emerald City is more of a giant building. <laughs> yes. It's I not really a city. Too. It's like, like a it's mall a house. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite line is when they get to the gate and uh, anyone who's ever been to my house um, has heard this line when they ring the doorbell and the guy goes out and he goes, bell out of order, please knock. And I I say that all the time. (laughs) I know you do. It's happened to me several times when I've come to your house. (laughs) Classic. Yeah. I, I love that that scene with them at the gate where he's like, no one sees the wizard. And, you know, they're like, oh, please, oh, please, oh, please. You know, and they're just pleading with him to let them in. 
uh, I love that scene as well. Just no particular reason why I love it. I just I just enjoy watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool when you go into the Emerald City and we see the horse of changing colors or whatever it's called. And yeah, the horse, the of, a horse of a different color. color. Uh-huh. And they all get a their two thousand rom com makeover, which you gotta love too. I do love that. I love that scene. I like when we meet the people of the Emerald City because the the song um, that they sing, and I'm I'm really having trouble at the moment. Blank. I'm totally blanking on the the lyrics, but I just remember listening to the song, and they t- they're basically talking about their day and like how like what how life is like in the Emerald City, and I'm like, life sounds pretty good in the Emerald City. <laughs> Because now when I think of the Emerald City, I think of one short day in the Emerald too. City. <laughs> I do too. Oh my gosh. Yes. We can we can get a little bit more into into all of that. But Wicked and the Wizard of Oz, I really do intertwine a little bit in my mind. Um, I sometimes forget that they're not the same thing <laughs> i know i feel the same way so they're in the emerald city they mm-hmm. finagle their way they're real karens about the whole thing and yeah they really are <laughs> <laughs> they get to meet the wizard of oz and the wizard of oz he, he he basically is not as nice as everyone has said he's going to be you know they're they i think they have the impression that they're going to walk in and say what they want. And he's just going to be like, yep, sure. But he's not. He says, you know, that he, he, he needs the broomstick of the Wicked Witch. He, he wants them to bring it to him. He gives um, them an impossible quest. Yes. Truly an impossible quest. Especially because, you know, they've already dodged her a couple times on the way. <laughs> They're probably thinking, dude, I wish I'd known. We would have... <laughs> We would have taken care of that already if we'd known that was what you needed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's forcing them also to face their fears. Like it really is, you know, there, this is, I think the witch is really uh, symbolic of everything that they're afraid of. And so it's really forcing them to, to go back out there and face their fears. Yeah. And they do it. They go back on this quest. They, they yes. find the wicked witch. And one of my favorite scenes from the movie is actually a deleted scene. And this is Hannah. Hannah knows this. Some of our listeners know this. I love swing dancing. Yes, and there's do. a song. And it's, just be careful of that rascal. Keep away from the jitterbug. Dum, dum. I should have done a content warning before the episode. Warning, trigger <laughs> warning. Talia will be singing this entire episode. <laughs> I totally, I, but listen, I'm with you. I'm mad that that got deleted because it's, it, whenever you see a musical version of The Wizard of Oz, I'm pretty sure it's in there. Yeah, um, I think so. And so I'm mad that that got, that that did get deleted. Unfortunately, it would have really added to the movie. It's not getting edited out of this episode. I'll tell you that. No, it is not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So on their way, you know, to go back to get the broomstick of the witch, uh, Dorothy is captured by the flying monkeys (laughs) and they take her to the castle. So of course, then the scarecrow, tin man and lion, you know, they need to rescue Dorothy and, you know, they are, again, all forced to 
really face their fears here. And you kind of throughout the whole movie are realizing, you know, they kind of already have what they're looking for. You know, the scarecrow really already is is pretty smart and the tin man already has the capacity to love because he's you know he loves these new friends that he's met and the lion is 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 acting super brave throughout the whole movie so you know it's giving you a little bit of a hint about how this movie is going to end but they you know they they go in to rescue dorothy there's a race against time they get her out of the room in time it's a real nail biter and then they come face to face with the witch. And then Dorothy, in a moment of pure genius, just says, let me just throw this bucket of water on her. <laughs> <laughs> really unprompted, but effective. Really unprompted, very effective. And I can't, I can't remember if they say earlier in the movie that the water will melt her somewhere. Like at some point if they say, hey, like, you know, she'll be melted by, I, I, I can't remember, but in, in that moment, she grabs the bucket, she throws the water, and then we get the whole, I'm melting scene. How grotesque is that? Um, yeah. Just, I was watching She's that as like a little kid, and at the end, you just see the cape and just steam coming off of the cape. You're like, yep. what the heck? I know. I know. It is a little bit, it, it, I can see how it could be disturbing to small children. <laughs> yeah. I think, too, in that moment of there's the Muppets Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've listened to our Christmas Carol episode, you would know that we're, we're we like the Muppets here at Once Upon a Time, a storytelling podcast. <laughs> and Miss Piggy is the Wicked Witch. And she can only drink bottled water. Because mm-hmm. hose water is what kills her. And um, I always thought that was funny because yeah. my mom only drinks um, bottled water. And I'm like, <laughs> hose water's going to kill you. She doesn't get the joke, but I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, my mom's a so, lovely woman. I love her very much. Oh, we! I love your mother as well. Um, <laughs> I love your mother too. Shout out to our moms. Thanks for introducing Shout us to, to Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yes. Shout out to our moms for becoming friends in college, and, and that's why we're here today. <laughs> yeah, it really worked out in our favor, so thank you selfishly yes. for your friendship. <laughs> yeah, so they, she, she, milks, she milks the witch, and, you know, all, all the witch's lackeys are now, you know, saying, hail to Dorothy, the Wicked Witch is dead. So they weren't really ever on her side. They were just scared of her. Mm. Um, so they, they take the broomstick to the wizard. And it is revealed that the wizard is not actually a wizard at all. (gasps) Uh, Shocker. Shock of all shocks. Um, He is someone who landed in Oz and because he came by, you know, hot air balloon, they all thought, you know, wow, wow, he's magic. He, he, he is a wizard. And they, and they really just kind of put him up on this throne and he's just been like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it. But he's not, he has no, magical powers he's not a wizard um and dorothy is so disappointed because now she thinks she's never going to get home you know she came she came all this way she she melted the witch and now she's like i can't i I did all this and i can't even get home it's a little bit of a a low moment (laughs) in the movie (laughs) so how does she get home what does it so even as the wizard is saying you know i'm not i'm not a you know he's not actually a wizard 
he still is able to kind of give them what they're looking for and basically still tells them what we've all at this point realized that they really have everything they're looking for. They just kind of need the validation that they have it. So, you know, he gives the scarecrow a diploma um, to prove that he is smart uh, and has a brain and he gives the tin man the, the clock that shapes like a heart um, and, and he gives the lion a medal for courage. And so now they all feel validated and, and, and say, I, you know, I already have what I, what I want. And so then he tells Dorothy that he can take her home. He's going to leave, uh, the Emerald city in his hot air balloon. But unfortunately, Toto jumps out of the hot air balloon. And when Dorothy chases after him, uh, the, the balloon takes off. Uh, with the wizard and Dorothy is not on board. She's still stuck in Oz and she's again, very worried that now she's never going to get home. So then Glinda appears and, you know, in her bubble (laughs) Um, (laughs) and she tells Dorothy that she's always had the power to go home. And that is where this quote comes in. That is above my head as I'm speaking. You've always had the power, my dear. You just had to learn it for yourself. And that all she needs to do to go home is click her heels three times and say, there's no place like home. So she bids her goodbyes. She tells everybody that she's going to miss them. And it's a very tender moment. This is a fun movie fact for you. Mm-hmm. She tells the scarecrow she's going to miss him most of all. Because in the original script, they were supposed to have like this romantic angle. And then... Ooh. Somebody in the studio realized that's disgusting and they yes. cut it out, but they left that one line in there for some reason. Well, it, yeah, I mean, that's really gross. I didn't know that. So thank you for that fun fact. <laughs> oh, <you're welcome. laughs> um, yeah. Thank God someone realized that because it, Dorothy is supposed to be a child. Like, <laughs> yeah, <that's>, look, uh, <laughs> But I mean, I've always liked that line. I think I'll miss you most of all. I always thought it was very weird that she does say it right in front of the other two. They're probably like, what up? What, like, what, what up heck? with that? Like, but I always did like that line because to me, it kind of was like, that was the first person she met. He's been with her pretty much the whole time. Um, so I feel like they just have a special bond um, because of that. But it is a very tender moment when she's saying her goodbyes. And I think... The one line that I remember is, or that really sticks out to me, is the Tin Man saying, you know, now I know I have a heart because it's breaking. And it's just like, oh my gosh, like... Kills me. Yeah, kills me too. She she finally gets home. Yep. She clicks her heels three times. She says there's no place like home, and she wakes up at home. And when she's home, she's surrounded by everyone who loves her. Yes. Everyone who loves her and she tells them that, you know, she had an incredible dream and you were there and you were there and you and you. And, you know, she looks at everybody and she's realizing that all these people that love her have always been there. I didn't need to look any further than my own backyard because if it wasn't there, I never really had it to begin with. Um, yes. Which I love. <laughs> and so she realizes, you know, this, there, there really is no place like home. And that, you know, and then they have the, the music that plays us out. And it's like, oh, the end of the movie. Such a good movie. So many lessons learned. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. And with that, we're going to say the end and start talking about some of the other things that make this movie so special. 
So we talked a lot about the movie, or I should say the story of the movie, but there are a few things I want to talk about the making of the movie, because I think that's an interesting story. I'm not going to talk about it for a while, just a couple of, I guess, more fun facts. Um, Mm -hmm. Something fun about this story for me is that you know, as you keep saying, like, this story was really important to both Hannah and I. And, you know, on the DVD, I was obsessed with the making of The Wizard of Oz. I was obsessed with all the little documentaries that were in that DVD pack. Um, mm-hmm. and so these are some of the things that I specifically remember. And then I, I double check them to make sure they're accurate. But this is what eight-year-old Talia vividly remembered from this DVD documentary. <laughs> um First of all, so many horror stories about the making of The Wizard of Oz. Um, It should have been last season's On the Edge, but I think it has a better connection to this season. But (laughs) we could have been last season. The first thing that I always remember is that the original Tin Man had to be recast because he had a severe allergic reaction to the aluminum powder in his makeup. He was replaced by Jack Haley, who was supposed to be the Scarecrow. And Jack Mm -hmm. Haley is like this really talented tap dancer. They replaced the makeup from aluminum powder to aluminum paste. Um, Mm -hmm. The original Tin Man actually was really sick. He was in the hospital for a long time because of the original Tin Man makeup. And he had like lifelong issues because of it. Yeah. And that's totally illegal today. So anyone, any filmmaker out there, don't do what they did. (laughs) We can learn Uh from many things (laughs) with this movie. Exactly. Speaking of costumes, the Cowardly Lion costume was made out of real lion's hide and was apparently so incredibly heavy um, that the actor who played the Cowardly Lion had also major issues with it. Um, I get. Like 100 pounds or something crazy. Also, wow. the the Wicked Witch was severely burned doing one of the special effects on the movie that she had to take a two months off because of her burns, and she refused to do anything else in the movie that required fire, so she got a stunt double. Judy Garland, who was Dorothy and an icon, this was the beginning of her her rise and also her personal decline. Um, in mm-hmm. this movie, she was told she was fat and... She was forced on a diet of coffee, chicken soup, and cigarettes to keep her thin. That was also when her mom really started giving her a lot of uppers, downers, Mm -hmm. and alcohol to keep her um, working. So It truly is a crime, what this industry did to Judy Garland, because she was so talented. And just the, the way that the whole industry treated her was horrible just just and the fact that it started with this movie and she was 16 like she was a child in that documentary that i mentioned before one of the documentaries in the wizard of oz i know probably the 75 year anniversary edition that i had whatever that's actually where i learned about alcoholism and drug addiction and eating disorders was from a judy garland documentary Look Which at is the education that's happening here. <laughs> everything I learned about life, I learned from old Hollywood. <laughs> hey, we have a lot to learn from old Hollywood, honestly, because they they made so many mistakes. I mean, they produced some great movies, but it's like, okay, we, I'm glad that we're figuring out. I'm glad that we kind of figured out how to make good movies while not, you know, giving the actors lifelong issues because of the makeup and forcing them into 
you know, alcoholism and drug addiction to keep them thin. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I want to, you know, just to mention about the making of the movie is, uh, you know, you know, I love TikTok. Um, <laughs> there's a great, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so cool, Hannah. I'm killing it. <laughs> You're cooler than uh, me. I'm not on TikTok. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a Gen Z, I think. Um <laughs> You're a millennial, I'm a Gen Z. That's what happens to uh, kids born in 97. Everyone's just confused. But anyway, props to history on TikTok has a couple of great videos about uh, the props in The Wizard of Oz. One thing that he mentions is that the asbestos snow that they use in the poppy field, they used real asbestos. So, and they knew Mm -hmm. it was bad for you. They were just... And they didn't care. They're just evil. Yeah. Uh, but then also, on a lighter note, the carriage that they use in the Emerald City actually belonged to Abraham Lincoln. He, That's cool. I didn't know that. He goes into it more. I'll link that in the show notes for you guys to watch and learn more about. But to get more into like its impact and relevance and its thematic connection, just because I think that's really important as well. I think the first thing, impact and relevance where do we see the stories today in society and pop culture, etc.? The first thing is Wicked. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and we actually saw Wicked together for Hannah's yeah. 16th birthday on Broadway. Fun fact. Yeah, I had I had seen Wicked when I for the first time when I was in fourth grade. I, you know, of course, was obsessed with theater and loved performing and I loved the Wizard of Oz. So when I'd heard about this, I mean, 2000, it was, must've been 2007, probably mm-hmm. that that, so it had only been out for like three years at that point, And I loved it. And then for my 16th birthday, Tally and I went with another friend of ours, Carolyn, and with all three of our moms. And we went to New York for a few days. One of the best birthdays I've ever had. Um, and we saw and we saw Wicked and I was just fangirling so hard over the whole thing because it had, at that point it had been a long time since I'd seen it in person, but I had listened to the cast album, you know, countless times. So shout out to Carolyn, by the way, if you're listening, shout Carolyn. Out to Carolyn. <laughs> We're going to have to do an Instagram post of just Talia and Hannah's adventure, <laughs> adventure through Oz. I was just, gonna say that adventures through Oz. Yeah, that's so cute. Why is it relevant today? Also, Judy Garland is always relevant. Um, yes. A fun fact, and I don't know if this is the only reason the Pride flag is a rainbow because of the song "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." Judy Garland was really supportive of um, you know the gay community when she was alive. So that in that way, Wizard of Oz will always be relevant. Yeah. Um, um, also, the the Renee Zellweger movie. That came out about Judy Garland um, mentions The Wizard of Oz. That came out, I guess, last year. Honestly, though, I didn't love it. Uh, I didn't love the Renee Zellweger movie. I thought she did a great job. But I don't know. I, 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 oh, we don't need to get into it. My sister called me afterwards and she goes, Talia, it was an all right movie, but I felt like you told me everything that was in this movie. And I said, I know. I'm just, I'm too in, mm-hmm. I'm in too deep with Judy Garland. I'm in too deep. There was no new information. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't learn anything. I actually, I actually didn't, haven't seen that movie. Possibly because I feel like I already know so much. Like, I feel like I wouldn't be learning anything new. Um, yeah. That I just haven't seen it. When I was at the beach, probably like four years ago, we were staying at this beach house and they 
had like one book in the entire house and I had forgotten to bring a book with me, which I never, ever forget a book at the beach. Um, So I'm surprised I did. But they had one book and it was Get Happy. It was a Judy Garland biography. And I read that whole book in like a day and a half. (laughs) How perfect that of all the books that a random beach house had, it was the Judy Garland biography. Yes. So this season, our theme is close to home and stories that feel close to home. I think that it's really obvious about why the story is close to home, um, especially throughout Mm -hmm. our telling of this story. Obviously, the connection to home is so personal to us. I mean, speaking for myself, this, this story feels like home. Yes, it does. But I took it upon myself to do some research onto more maybe scholarly reasons as to why this story feels like home. Mm-hmm. And in these essays I found online, it's called Two Essays About Finding Home in the Wizard of Oz, author, and I'm going to pronounce this wrong and I'm so sorry, Garley Cowie says this. In the book, no real emphasis is placed on the idea of home. Everything happens in episodic and often pointless, meandering storylines. On the contrary, in the film, everything is about getting back home, and this urgent need of Dorothy's is established only after meeting with Professor Marvel, the um, fortune teller, in the beginning of the book. The elusive nature of home, however, gives the idea mythical qualities which capture the imagination. You know, unquote, unquote. Um, As we mentioned before, Dorothy always had the ability to go home, but she needed to find it within herself. And like, for me, like that reminds me of when I was young, when I was, you know, 12, 13 years old, just searching for a place where I belonged um, until I finally realized that the grass wasn't greener on the other side. Mm -hmm. That you have to be comfortable within yourself in order to be comfortable in the world around you. And getting you know a little bit deeper, like Dorothy is an orphan. We don't know mm-hmm. anything about her parents. We know that she lived with her aunt and uncle. As an audience, we don't know for how long this place has been her home. Mm-hmm. She could have grown up there, but also we don't know if she didn't just get plopped down in the middle of Kansas. We don't we don't know anything about her background. So I think this journey to Oz reflects a peace finding and and going deeper. The movie was made in 1939, and I think this would have been even more pronounced at that time, because in 1939, we were still in the Depression. The effects of the Dust Bowl were still so relevant. People were migrating across the country, and families had to separate. The concept of home had to radically change. And 1939 Mm -hmm. also marks the start of the Second World War. So what is home? What is belonging? What does it mean to be together? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think when you keep pulling back the layers, the theme just becomes more and more obvious. Yes. And I think that's also why, especially, you know, last year and this year, it connects even more because, you know, everybody was homebound starting almost a year ago now. You know, we were having to stay home. And I kind of, I think, makes you also reevaluate, you know, like what this idea of home is and I think for a lot of people home is wherever their family is but also I think for a lot of people 
Um, home is the physical like place you're in, you know, like the, the town that you're in, the house that you're in, you know, it's really a very, everybody has kind of a different idea of it. And I think everyone was kind of forced to confront that idea in this last, you know, year. Absolutely. You can actually even visit Dorothy's home. You can visit her house today at Dorothy's house and the Land of Oz attractions at the Seward County Historical Museum in Liberal, Kansas. Why have we not gone there? <laughs> I Well, we, we have yet to go to Kansas. <laughs> We've yet to go to Kansas. <laughs> um, maybe we'll make a special trip to Kansas. <laughs> yes. Maybe what we'll do is we'll go visit Carolyn and we'll just stop in Kansas on the way. <laughs> road trip, road trip. Something I also wanted to share and what's interesting is it really, you know, the movie it really is a household name. Um, and I think it's so interesting that now, you know, we can watch it, you know, whenever we want because, it, you know, we live in a time where streaming and DVDs and things are all very accessible. But this past weekend, I was with my my mom for her birthday and we were watching, we actually were watching The Sound of Music, but she was telling us about how she was, you know, when the when the movie was starting up, she was like, oh my goodness, you know, I remember having to be, um, you know, I'd have to have eaten dinner, done my homework and like taken a shower and be downstairs at eight o'clock or I was going to miss the movie. And she's like, it was like that for Sound of Music and it was like that for Wizard of Oz. And I remember we made it a production to sit and watch it my mom and I would just sit like we whatever we did we planned for months we knew when that when it was going to be shown and we sat and we watched it and I just loved her telling me that story because one I love that this is a movie that she connects to her childhood and to her mom and I can connect it to her and to my grandmother and I, I just really loved hearing that because it's true it's you know it's like it's very accessible to us now to watch it whenever we want but but can you imagine when it only was played once a year, you know, before you could watch before DVDs, before VHS, anything like you just had to watch it when it came on TV. And it was like a, it was a, it was an event to to watch the Wizard of Oz when it came on TV. And how special is it that a story that is about childhood and about home and about belonging is the movie that CBS chose to be the musical to air. Um, I think they started airing it in like the late 50s. Like in 59, they started airing it annually. And how beautiful that Wizard of Oz, of all the great MGM movie musicals, mm-hmm. that was the one that they chose. And that kind of changed yep. everything. Yep, I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> On that note, I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. I think. You remind me of home. You're my oldest friend in the entire world, and I love you so much. And I'm so honored that you came on to talk about The Wizard of Oz on the podcast today. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very honored that you asked me. (laughs) (laughs) Can you please, I want you to promote yourself, uh, any Instagrams or Twitters that you want people to follow, um, anything at all, uh, any last minute remarks, please, this is your platform. Sure, sure. Um, Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram. It's Banana, and banana has three N's and three A's at the end of end of it. And then my Twitter is the exact same thing, except there's no H at the end of Hannah. I like to think I'm pretty funny on Twitter, but... You're funny. You know, I give me a follow funny. and see what you think. <laughs> <laughs> you make me laugh. Well, thank you. <laughs> As y'all know, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, 
at just the underscore Italian. This has just been so delightful. Hannah, I'm giving you a big hug right now. I hope you can feel it through the microphone. I am returning that hug as well. It has been a a long year of not seeing you and I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like that either. Once Upon a Time, a storytelling podcast was produced by Talia Smith and Emily Joba. You can buy us a coffee to support this podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash onceuponatimepc. Special shout out to Kippy and Jennifer Carl Simon for their support. Our guest today was Hannah Davis, and our story was The Wizard of Oz. Our featured artist this week was Jessica Gianna. You can check out their work on our Instagram and in our show notes. Music is Heart of Acceptance by John Bartman. Our Instagram is at a storytelling podcast, and our email is a storytelling podcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook too. You can listen in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. Links to all of our resources are in the show notes and on our website. The end.